Hello, and welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I'm Scott Nye. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How's it going? Uh, it's going fine. Um, actually, it's going great. I love this time of year. Um, I Same. know it's like a, uh, it's very cheesy to be like fall guy or whatever. I mean, not the fall guy. The uh, <laughs> That is not cool. Yeah. The, well, I'm sure that I never saw the TV show, The Fall Guy, but I know that there's a movie coming out where one of the Ryans is playing The Fall Guy, either I'm Gosling or Reynolds. Where of neither. But I think the fall okay, the Fall Guy TV series, I want to say I'm gonna guess seventies. Just on the brink, eighty one to eighty six. Okay. Um and it was like a stuntman who got involved in mysteries or something. Uh, I'm gonna guess so because I just scrolling through the top of the Wikipedia page, it says the opening theme is called Unknown Stuntman. Okay, Lee Majors. Uh oh, the adventures of a film stuntman who moonlights as a bounty hunter. I mean, that's right, a good that sounds like a good, yeah. And so now they're making a movie with uh, Ryan Gosling as the fall guy. Oh, it's directed by David Le- Leitch or Leach. Yeah, who, uh, I liked Atomic Blonde. I know you didn't, but I did I not. Think we both uh, hated Bullet Bullet Train. Um, so I did not like too promising. I did kind of like Deadpool too, though. I know that is extremely unfashionable and seen any of most those. circles. Yeah, I have not seen the Deadpool's. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that makes me, if it's going to try to bring the bullet train attempts at comedy, yeah, that's, that's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be fun to watch. Do not doubt that it will. Um, but what I was saying is that I am a fall guy. Uh, Um, I, uh, I love, I love the fall because I like when the weather starts to get cooler. I'm not a hot weather guy. Um, and, uh, I love the fall because of fall movies and because of fall sports and uh, fall holidays. I used to, this will kind of, uh, kind of related to our topic today. I used to also get excited for fall for like the TV shows that I watched sure. that were on hiatus coming back, but I don't watch as much as many shows. Um, and even fewer of those are network shows that are still, adhering to that schedule and even the ones that are aren't back this fall because of the the strikes oh yeah yeah it was like abbott elementary i don't know when that's coming back but that's like my i think that's like the main like network show that i watch maybe the only one left that i watch that's like a regular network show but um yeah i'm definitely a fall guy for the weather and the movies or not sorry for the holidays and the movies the weather i came around to by dint of living in los angeles where we only have fall weather for like two or three months and it's like not that bad you're just like ooh, a a jacket maybe today yeah and you can shake up your fashion a little bit feel a little cozier but it's not like a huge pain in the ass that like regularly diverts your lifestyle oh sure yeah yeah um yeah i mean los angeles is great because it's like people i i guess it's great depending on how you feel about this people like to say that there are no seasons in Southern California, right. which is not like technically true, but I understand the yeah yeah makes sense what what they're saying, and that's actually what I like is that we we actually do have every season. They're just like mini versions yeah. of, of most of them, and then it's uh, yeah, and then our summers. I used to love that the summers were like at least not too humid, but 
summers keep getting hotter and also i live in the deep valley now where it does get humid but real, still, and real hot too but also still like even though yeah it does get humid here but nothing like st louis or chicago sure like, it's almost never that humid pretty much never uh so yeah i could take i could take heat i could take the heat uh, as long as there's not too much humidity so uh yeah to answer your question i'm doing great fantastic i've been catching up on these fall movies hell yeah um what's going on with you oh not much i uh just went to the vista today um to check out well i mean i didn't go there to see eli roth's thanksgiving i had no intention of seeing Eli roth's thanksgiving until i heard it was gonna be the first movie that was playing at the vista after it reopened um so i really went to go see the theater and then as a treat was pleasantly surprised by the movie but yeah within just a couple of weeks um two major la institutions um from like the golden age of la movie theaters reopened between the vista and the egyptian on the street and so i went to the egyptian last week to see uh playtime on 70 millimeter which i'd long wanted to see um well i'd seen playtime before but on 70 millimeter um and was a real treat and it's like totally lived up to my expectations and um but the theaters on the whole are are really nice i mean the vista is like pretty much the same the lobby and bathrooms are very different but fortunately they kept the theater kind of layout the same. So you still have like leg room so far that you can like lay down in it if you so choose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they re- did replace the seats themselves. I can't remember what the seats like were like before, but I could just tell they were different and they're so comfy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, be- I've never been in a theater that has that the leg room that the Vista has. And I love it that you it could, is like beyond you- ostentatious. Yeah. Because like, um, when Natalie, when Natalie and I go to the movie, she always wants to sit on an aisle because she doesn't want to inconvenience people. She has to go to okay. run to the bathroom. But at the Vista, you could get up from your seat and walk f- to the aisle from anywhere and no one's going to have to move their legs or anything because there's so much room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might walk in front of people, which is somewhat distracting, but it like won't be for as long as a mo- normal movie. Theater you don't have to make like the awkward shuffle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, it was really great to be back there. Um trying to think what else was kind of different there i mean they have a new kind of snack stand so they might have different snacks but i can't really remember what they offered before um but the vista was just such a staple for julie and i's movie going for Mm -hmm. years and years and years um before they closed of course during the pandemic i think kind of stayed closed Uh, but it's good to kind of bookend to go back for thanksgiving because the last movie i saw there was uh invisible man from 2020 um so it's like a little horror movie bookend experience do you know um this is going to make me sound bad because Natalie and I also like loved the Vista. Um, but at a certain point we kind of, I guess we stopped going because we had like the, we were so close to our old place to the NoHo like Lemley. So uh, I went back through my letterbox and realized I have not seen a movie at the Vista since Isle of Dogs. So that's like oh, wow. five years. Ago. Yeah. I mean, it was I mean, been it, closed for three of those years, but still yeah. it means when I went nearly two years without going there when it, when I could have, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it made sense for Julie and I to go because it's very much in our hood. And I always liked that you could get a pretty full crowd, but they didn't do reserve seating. So you just had to show up and claim whatever seat you could. Fortunately, they did not reinstitute uh, reserve seating with uh, the reopening. Oh, they um, didn't? No, it's oh, all. Yeah. Um, grab it as you can. Well, I mean, that's great for you. I actually don't care as much, but uh, I guess I just like the tradition. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned that it's oh, it opened with Eli Ross Thanksgiving. They actually did a special opening screening with True Romance, but it sold out yeah. in like like a half a second. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah. Uh, but as I recall, I haven't seen Shadow Romance in a long time. But I believe, even though it's supposed to be Detroit, they actually shoot outside the Vista in that yeah. movie. That's the movie theater they go to um, for that uh, Sunny Sheba double feature. Uh, triple feature. It's triple, triple feature. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I kind of um, hope at some point they show uh, Scream 2, though, because the movie theater in the opening of Scream 2 is the Vista. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Um, Not the outside, just the inside. But yeah. Yeah. And definitely like the bathroom there is obviously a set or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so they have. But the. Is it true they sell beer and wine now at the Vista? Um, I did read that, but I actually didn't look too closely. And I know okay. they have like a coffee shop that's going to open at some point, but it isn't yet. So I don't know if they're like rolling out some of these uh, added features. Yeah, my understanding is that Quentin Tarantino, who now owns the Vista, um, yeah. knocked down the two storefronts on either side of the existing lobby to make one very lo- wide lobby. Is that true? Um, it definitely feels wider and the bathrooms are a little bit more generously, uh, apportioned. So, uh, that feels right. But I think one of those storefronts is the coffee shop, if I remember correctly. And it used to be a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, there there used to be an ice cream place there too. Although it wasn't like really ice cream. It was this weird process where they like froze it like in front of you. They, they like dump this like liquid cream into a bowl and like take a, like a Mr. Freeze gun at it and then froze it in front of you. Yeah, I, I've actually seen that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but this is just this is very LA centric. Uh, but I usually the listeners don't mind when we do that kind of stuff, which is good. Um, but it is a big deal because uh, I mean the Egyptian was already closed um, pre pre COVID. Uh, Netflix bought it. It actually and- wasn't because um, I remember the week that it was all going out, like March twenty twenty. Julie was had tickets to go see um, some noir city double features um i was out of town but she was planning yeah she was planning to go some noir city stuff and they had to cancel those to close it down and then i mean maybe it was already scheduled to like close down at some point maybe enough because it already acquired it yeah maybe but, that's um, what it was that netflix... it was still up and running yeah yeah maybe that's what it was pre-covid we already knew netflix was buying it or yeah. had bought it, i think yeah that makes sense uh and then they renovated it and um opened it uh and i guess it's so American Cinematheque is still programming there some I mean, days. Yeah, and... they, they say it's technically like Fridays through Sundays, but I, they're also like spreading out a little bit for special events. Like right now they have a big 70 millimeter fest, which is how I saw um, Playtime is playing as part of that. Um, and that was on a Wednesday. So like for special events, they'll obviously make an exception. Okay. But like Netflix has coming up there, um, Rebel Moon and the Wes Anderson shorts that they did this year. And they, I think right now, or no, in a couple of days, they'll start playing Maestro there. Um, so it's kind of yeah. like they're just sharing it on a touch and go basis. Um, but um, that's a complete the, renovation. The theater is completely yeah. different. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but the Wes Anderson shorts, um, I mean, um, American Cinematheque is promoting that on their Instagram. So they're, is that like an American Cinematheque Netflix? Like, uh, I'm sure like they're like cross promoting all kinds of stuff because they're it, not just showing the shorts. They're also showing they're showing Wes Anderson shorts, but also older shorts, short films that were hand selected by Wes Anderson. Yeah. It's an interesting program. Yeah. Uh, we're getting very in the weeds with LA stuff, but uh, yeah, so it's great that uh, the Egyptians back open. I know some people are still very uh, cautious about how Netflix is going to run it. Um but uh it, it's been it's also great that the vista's back and and uh doing 
all, uh, all film. Um, yep. Uh, just the way that Tarantino does at the new Beverly. Um, and it's well for you and me for next year's, um, TCM fest. I really hope that they get to use the Egyptian again. Yeah, seriously. Be- because I don't know if you've heard about like the American Legion theater might not be. Yeah. It's in bad shape, which is too bad. It was such a great venue. Um, and, uh, yeah, great projection and, and was capable of multiple formats and, and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's, it's really too bad, but it seems like the, uh, the American Legion themselves don't really sort of, uh, they're not necessarily cinephiles and don't really sort of understand what they have. I think. Yeah. On just... top of that, there is a guy who's apparently like getting drunk and hitting yeah. on the female, uh, um, staff. So it's a mess. Yeah, it's just bad management all around. And yeah, it is too bad. I mean, I, I wonder if somebody else will come in and acquire it. Um, and because I know they were starting to like use it for events and premieres and stuff. And I imagine there's a pretty penny to made in that racket. Um, yeah. But and yeah. Then hire, ba- hire back the uh, projectionist because yeah. that was a big point of contention is that he's like a union projectionist, yep. which there aren't that many of anymore. And the American Legion guys who don't understand the industry they're in, like don't understand why this guy was getting paid low six figures to do what they see as just like pressing a button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People still have this <laughs> image in their head. That's all run by guys like Brad Pitt and fight club. Um, but no, like <laughs> at this point, film projectionists are like very professional industry um, yeah. because there's so few opportunities and the ones that are, ex- that do exist need to be very high caliber because people usually shell out for it. So yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, no, right, it's, so, it's a great theater, but hopefully it'll come back. But if not, yeah, I mean, the Egyptians well suited to it. It is, they did take out some seats. So they took out the balcony and then the general floor seating is definitely less than it used to be, but I think it can still hold in the neighborhood of like four or 500 people. And I would was say it before, would you say 600? I can't, I used okay. to know this offhand because, um, TCM's website would list it. I think it was like oh. 670 or something like that. Okay. Um, but I think the seating is generally better though. Like there's more good seats. Whereas I feel like in the old Egyptian, you could get a bad seat real easily. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's great. Um, great. Uh, interesting time to be an LA cinephile. Yeah. Uh, before we go any further, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. I use them each every day of my life. For the past couple of days, I've been listening kind of on repeat to the new Andre 3000 album. Uh, and if you were not plugged into music news, uh, you might just assume that it's a a rap album because Andre 3000 is known as a rapper, but no, he made uh, an entirely instrumental uh, woodwind album, mostly flute forward uh, called new blue sun. And like just the, the, I feel like the headlines of like Andre 3000 releases flute, like instrumental flute album sound funny. And it's like, this is going to be nuts. Uh, But actually it's like beautiful. And it's like, one of the best albums of the year, I think. So, uh, way to go, Andre 3000, to keep us keep us guessing and keep us uh, uh, entertained. So, um, 
And it'll sound great if you got some tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Uh, those that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Scott, let's get into it, shall we? This was... Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm actually, I was going to say this is your idea, but actually I'm going to, uh, describe the, or, or just name the episode sure. because I feel like your initial idea was a little bit more specific. Um, and I just want to want this to generally be about like TV actors versus movie actors. What is the difference? Is there a difference that, that sort of thing who, who can, you know, have we gotten any actors who could do both? Uh, <laughs> For sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to know what got you thinking about this. Because I, I'll, I'll say when I was describing the topic to Natalie, she was like, I, I never really thought about it. Like, can you give me an example? And the first example that came to mind is that, uh, like, John Hamm burned up TV screens for seven seasons of Mad Men. Yep. And like kind of other than Bridesmaids has never really had, unless I'm missing something, a movie role that really stuck. I mean, I liked him in Marjorie Prime, but um, that's obviously not, wasn't a runaway hit Marjorie Prime. Not exactly. But I think that's the larger point is that like anything he has been somewhat notable and has definitely been a supporting role and sometimes fairly deep down the cast. Um, but anything he's tried to star in. I mean, I know people really liked, was it Fletch wins? Fletch did something. Oh, confess Fletch. Confess Fletch. And I know people yeah, I were really wild about that. I thought it was just representative of the John Hamm problem that it was like, just not anchored in a thing that he couldn't find um, a character. He just found a series of mannerisms that kind of got him from scene to scene. Um, and yet going back to TV, <laughs> when he was, he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think the most recent season or the one before. Yes. He was, uh, he did a couple episodes, but the premise was that he was, he was John Hamm, I think. And he was getting cast in a role that was inspired by Larry David. So he was hanging out with Larry David. And as the episode went on, he started acting more and more like Larry David. It was very funny. Well, I think that's the the thing is that he doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't really seem to have like a core to him, um, that he can just like bring from role to role. I guess my like overarching thesis of this is that like, there's some people who end up being getting famous on TV, but I think that's because TV acting requires a different set of skills than movie acting. Um, it requires you to have something of a personality that the writers can start to write to. And I think the most successful shows are successful because the writers end up gearing the, the direction of the story and the characters towards a persona that works. Um, 
Whereas like on the flip side, now I haven't seen the show, but I've heard this note about Boardwalk Empire that like uh, Steve Buscemi doesn't really have kind of a persona to that for the writer to latch onto and build upon. And so he ends up feeling like somewhat of a void at the center of that show. I think you've seen some Boardwalk Empire. No, I, I haven't. I never okay. have, but um, I've definitely seen Steve Buscemi's uh, he's in, uh, in a lot of the fifth season of the Sopranos, but I guess, again keeping the opposite of the john ham thing he's not the lead right so and that's that's, uh, that's the thing where he comes in for a season and yeah. plays a specific part it's not like something he has to grow over the course of many years and like you know right. help sustain a network or whatever um right. but like brian cranston it's the same thing where like he had this great vessel in breaking bad and malcolm in the middle before and that in the middle, yeah yeah where the writers could kind of write to him yeah. But when he has to really craft a character based on material that's just sitting there and isn't really going to change that much around him, he's just like flailing all the time. Yeah, that's a that that's a great point. So who I like. Um, but I, I guess it just I'm, I'm predicting what listeners are going to think, which is that this is there's less of a divide now between movie actors and and, and TV actors. And, and so your argument is that no, there might be, they might try to cross over more, but in essence, there still are, there are two different skill sets. It kind of feels um, like it still seems like a pretty sharp divide to me. I mean, there's like people who do miniseries and do, I know that's what I was going to say. Miniseries. Like we had, you know, there was like, I don't know why this is the one that comes to mind, but there was that we work. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Miniseries with Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. Like those yeah. are movie stars. I mean, Jared Leto, of course, got started, on TV on my so-called life, but those are, those are movie actors. Yeah. But I think the miniseries, I mean, it's essentially film acting in long form. Like that's what I'm saying. Like the production method, I think is more distinct between a genuine series. that has no end date and just right. is ongoing okay. versus a miniseries, which has a defined beginning, middle and end, uh, probably a preset script that you might tweak depending on the star, which you would with a movie. Um, but which you still have a character that they're playing and trying to shape their performance around versus shaping the character around the performance. Yeah. I, okay. I like that. Uh, uh, that distinction I'm looking for distinction was actually the exact word I was looking for. Perfect. I was like designation. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but I, I guess let, let's do go back in time. Yeah. A little bit to, uh, I think the mid aughts is kind of where it started to be like, oh my God, movie stars keep showing up on TV. Yeah. And it was a big deal. Like, um, like I think Glenn Close first doing a season of the shield. Right. And, and then getting damages it at the time, it seemed like a big deal. Like, oh my God, Glenn Close is doing a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, but I, I guess I guess it, Glenn Close is still a movie actor, right? Yeah, I only watched it feels the first like, season of Damages. Yeah, I only watched a few episodes of it. Um, but I watched all the Shield episodes she was in, and she was good. Um, but she was but only again, in the one season, I think. That's like the one season thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how and long did Damages I run? I don't know. I only watched curious. the first one. Um, <laughs> um, I remember kind of liking that first episode, but it was also like. I don't know if I can keep up with this many twists for the series. <laughs> um, gosh, it lasted five seasons. Five seasons, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I guess what I guess that was part of the because yeah, Sean Ingram and I recently did an episode of the show uh, talking about um, the new golden age of American television, and that was definitely I think what attracted people who were in who were coming from the seemingly more prestigious world of cinema. Uh, and for some reason, I'm drawing a blank on other examples. I know Glenn Close wasn't the only one, but there were. It's like there were more and more yeah. movie stars coming to TV for a time there. But I think for a minute there, in like yeah, the wake of The Sopranos and The Shield, there was like a bit where TV was a little hip and a little cool. And I think t- movie stars like Glenn Close were able to parlay that into kind of juicing their film careers a bit. Because I was going to look and see what Glenn Close was up to immediately preceding that. If I can find her credits fast enough. Um, but like, you know, I mean, I know people look down on Albert Nobbs and it's not a good movie, but it did kind of like, that was kind of like her comeback into prestige kind of films. Yeah. And that was right at the, yeah, it was 2011. So it was right at the tail end of damages. Um, and yeah, I mean, like before kind of the shield and damages, she was not really in, anything kind of high profile notable um so it kind of feels like that like juiced her profile but in the same way that like sometimes people in like the 90s or early 2000s would do like an independent film that maybe you know wouldn't get them the oscar nom but the next project would because it kind of put them like reintroduced them to what they're capable of in retrospect i think you're probably right i don't think at the time people were talking about it like that and i don't even know if Glenn Close, to keep using her as an example, would have been thinking about it like that because TV did seem like a new frontier in many ways, despite being a over half a century old medium. Right. Uh, it really did feel fresh and new and exciting. And this is where you started hearing people say, like, I like TV better than movies in these, these days, yeah. uh, which you hear, still hear people say, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with them. I never knew what was wrong with them. Um, well, I guess they're big. Yeah, they must be big Star Wars fans if they think uh, <laughs> TV is better than movies these days. Because every show is a Star Wars now. Um, There's a lot of Star Wars. Um. So what? Well, you've kind of. Uh, I feel like this could end up being a short episode because you like pretty clearly defined what you see the difference as. Um, but I, I think it'd be interesting to go back and look at some more historical stuff. Like Lucille Ball was, you know, she did all right in movies for a bit there, but she wasn't really a star until she was on TV and then never really went back to movies. Cause why would she need to? Um, but I was even thinking of like slightly more recent stuff, like Ted Danson by all, like he's kind of like the, the John Hamm of his age. Like he looks like a movie star. He should be a movie star. He's charismatic. He's good looking but he never really yeah. crossed over in the same way. And all yeah, the stuff true. we remember him for is like, not only cheers, but like the good place um, while he was on damages. Um, uh, or sure. Sure. But hey, like Becker was on for like eight years. No, but that's no, I like, guess it's part of the point is that no one really remembers like, like this TV shows make a splash, but not sometimes. But also the, like Becker is in a show for people like us. I guess this, this is something that came up on, the one where I met your mother in my other podcast, Natalie, we're, we're talking about like how weird it is to think that like a huge number of Americans know Melanie Linsky from two and a half men. That's sure, what yeah. they know her from. And that's, that's, and that I forget that she was ever on that show. Cause I never watched it. And it's like, not at all what I think of her as, but like, yeah. So 
there were probably I guess I'm saying it was on eight years. Probably a lot of people liked Becker. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, but no one's going to remember as much, you know, three minute baby aside from it being like a thing that exists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to go even further back, uh, this, this came up, um, I'm a big Mel Brooks fan and I was watching through the, uh, like 10 years ago, shout factory put out like a five DVD box set of just like all a bunch of like Mel Brooks ephemera over the course of his career. Um, and I was thinking about how, like, for like ten years, Sid Caesar was one of the biggest stars in the country because of your show of shows, right? But because that's a TV show, it didn't last, you know? Yeah, like, like we we still know most movie stars from the you know nineteen fifties and stuff. We would like they 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 still exist, but like your show of shows just never. Uh, it it uh, it it didn't stick around in the public memory because TV wasn't built to do that at the time. Yeah, that's very true. But like, if you go back and watch, you know, it's a Mad Mad Mad, Mad World, or um, looking at other films of his I've seen. Um, but I was always like, I'd always be like surprised watching those movies, like how prominent he was, like featured in the credits, or just like the way he was shot in the film. Of like, well, yeah, everybody knew who he was, but now it's like, okay, he's decently talented um not maybe the standout of these films or like greece and greece too are good examples where he plays the coach and it's like i feel like we're giving too much time to this coach guy (laughs) how many like how many people besides sid caesar are in both greece movies um i can't remember i I haven't seen greece too in so long i can never remember the character or the actor's names but um yeah, I was maybe like in middle school, early high school. Oh, there's a whole section on the Grease 2 wiki of reprising roles from Grease. Okay. Um, so yeah, Frenchie comes back. The principal comes back. Eve Arden as the principal comes back. Sid Caesar comes back. Um, Eddie Dezen? Dezen? I don't remember how to Dezen, say his name. Yeah, I think yeah comes Dezen. back. Um, okay. A couple more other more minor characters. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, Sid Caesar is a really good example. And I was trying to think of other people from that same period who were like fifties famous, but couldn't really make the crossover and I'm coming up a little empty. Um, though like two people who did make the crossover, um, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, who had a regular comedy hour, but then went on very successfully to do a series of films together. Um, and then went on their own careers on their own. But, um, so occasionally it would work. Uh, yeah. Um, but it, I guess the the juicy part of of this is that it was for most of the history of television, it was generally understood that movies were more prestigious. Yeah, that for was, sure. That was the golden ring, um, and now I think a lot of people who are like us tend to still feel that way for the most part. But um, it, now it feels like it's rude to say or uh <laughs> you know uh, people so so i guess is this do you still consider it like a knock on someone to say like that's a tv actor i guess but i often feel like 
way out of step for not knowing. Like, I mean, this year, Jacob the Lordy is like, everybody knew who that guy was. And I'm like, I have zero familiarity with who this guy is um, until Priscilla came out. Uh, what was he? Well, he was in deep water is the only thing I remember, but um, he, he drowns in a swimming pool in deep water. I so won't I, say any more for, yeah, yeah. for people who haven't seen deep water. Um, what was he known for before? Euphoria, which oh. is like a huge TV show that I have not watched at all. And then, um, well, you and I just saw May, December this past weekend. And Charles Melton is like pretty famous from Riverdale, but I don't know that. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know that either, but I have been, um, whenever I get the chance telling people that the very forgotten, like, uh, YA lit adaptation, the sun is also a star is actually okay. a good movie and he's very good <laughs> in it. So like, um, yeah, when I saw May, December, I was like, oh, it's the guy from the sun is also a star, which, uh, is one of the more like YA stars. named things I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, I think you would like The Sun is Also a Star. I probably uh, would. It's also Yara Shahidi from Blackish. Is that what she's from? Yeah. I didn't watch, never watched Blackish. Another TV show. They're the two. Yeah. They're the two leads. Um, there was definitely a period, though, where like there were so many people popping up in movies that I'd never heard of. And every time it was because they were on Game of Thrones. And I never watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> new movie star time, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess that'll happen to me like at some point. Well, I guess I already. I mean, I, I know who Jeremy Strong is, but I haven't watched Succession, so right. I don't have any affection for him because, like, I can point to a couple of movies I've seen him in, and I like don't think he's very good. <laughs> yeah, I'm having the same problem with him. But maybe it's that he's a TV actor. Maybe he's great on Succession. He probably is. I generally take people's word when they say he is, but the evidence is not there in the movies. So yeah, I tend to think of him as the most current example of this exact phenomenon. Um, and succession definitely seems like a show where they're writing to the performer's strengths, um, as well. They should. I mean, I think that's one of the real strengths of TV is that you can build a character in a very organic way. And I think that's part of why people get so attached to TV is they feel like they're growing with the character. Um, but it's just not, it's a skill set that doesn't prepare you well to then go make a movie where you have to do all the work in advance, or maybe you like put the couple of days of rehearsal you get. And I think that's why you get this kind of thing happening over and over again. Um, one TV show that I thought would be an interesting thing to discuss is like an intersection point between these two is the West wing, which had a lot of, it had like a genuine movie star in Martin Sheen, but then it had like yeah. a lot of people in the cast who had pretty good careers in movies. But I think that was like their transition point. So like, Rob Lowe had a pretty good career in movies, but I think after that, he's never good in a movie again. It's like just TV that he works in. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's done. Uh, do you, uh, he left the West wing, right? Right. Um, well within within the world, he left to run for office as a representative. I didn't watch that California. far. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. But, uh, in real life, he left to headline his own show, which was called the lion's den. And I think lasted one season. Sure. Uh, but then, yeah, he had Parks and Rec. Um, he had something after that, though. That was... There was another good show. I mean, a show that I remember being good, but I think also only lasted a season or two that I can't remember the name of, where he and Fred Savage were brothers. Uh, the premise was that Roblo was an actor who had had a successful TV show where he played a lawyer, but then his okay. his career was failing, so he came moved back home to help his brother, Fred Savage, run his actual law firm. 
So like a okay. lot of the jokes are like like Rob Lowe thinks he understands how like the legal system works, but it's just from like doing a TV show for eight years or whatever. I remember it being a funny show. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was called. Um, oh, the Grinder. I remember this show. Okay, okay, that did not last long. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like Bradley Whitford was kind of in the same boat where he was like popping up and doing decent turns in movies. And then after the West Wing becomes like a TV actor. But I still uh, think Bradley Whitford can show up in a supporting role in a movie and and really carry his weight. Like, obviously, Get Out, Get Out is, yeah. is a big one. Um, it's a small part, but uh, um, Destroyer, the... Uh, Karen Kusama. Uh, I don't remember him in that. Um, yeah, he's like a rich guy who's like kind of pulling the strings from afar, and she like okay. and confronts him. And he's at home, and he's like, I think he's like on an exercise bike or something during the whole scene. It's a, it's a. Uh, I have a. I, I really like that movie, Destroyer. Um, yeah, solid. Yeah, so I, I. But I guess this goes to your thing of like, yeah, supporting roles. Um, yeah. I mean, it also doesn't help that he's of an age now where he's unlikely to be the star, period. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm looking through his, his filmography, and, like, I, I know people liked him in Tick, Tick, Boom, but I really didn't. I thought he was, like, kind of a little hammy, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's uh, out of line to say about Bradley Whitford. Um He's not exactly Brian Cranston, but he still can make a meal sometimes yeah. uh, uh, out of a scene. But um, I didn't figure out Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, uh, that that movie's fine. I liked him, I think, more than you did, but um, I kind of thought he was the weak point in it. Okay. Uh, who? But who's the other? Is it? Oh, it's Richard Kind who's in the scene with him, who's hilarious in that scene. Um, no, I don't remember him. So uh, I'm pretty sure it's kind. The, the scene is that Andrew, Andrew Garfield's character, Jonathan Larson, I can't remember, um, is getting notes from a couple of like yeah. established people. It's Stephen Sondheim, played by Bradley Whitford, and then Richard Kind plays either another like writer or a musical critic or something like that. And basically, he, the the joke of the scene is that Richard Kind keeps like giving a criticism and then Stephen Sondheim will contradict Richard Kind. Then Richard Kind will sort of like yeah. deflect to like, Oh, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> to Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> well, Richard Kind will always deliver. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like to shift gears entirely, I guess, um, I think James Gandolfini made the transition well out of the Sopranos where then he parlays that into a I think, really successful movie career and like, has great really sharply defined roles that he does great in um but like nobody else in that cast i feel like does yeah i mean even, like michael imperioli is drowning as soon as he gets thrown into movies uh yeah i mean he was uh the story goes that like because michael imperioli is also a writer and he wrote uh and and directed episodes of yeah of uh the sopranos and uh the story goes that he was like at a crossroads in his career where he was about to give up acting and just focus on being a screenwriter. Oh, really? When he got the Sopranos. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't seen him in that many movies. I saw him in household saints, which is pre Sopranos. Um, I saw him in the lovely bones. I mean, nobody's getting the lovely bones. So that's maybe a yeah, bad I example. Didn't see that. Um, I saw him in old boy. I don't 
really remember him making a splash. The old boy remake. Um, One Night in Miami. I kind of felt like he was pretty weak there. Wait, who was he in One Night in Miami? He is. Remember that at all? I know. I'm trying to isolate down. Wait. Oh yeah, there he is. Um, Let's see. He is. Oh yeah, he's a boxing trainer, so he's training um, Ali. Okay. Okay. He like shows up in like bad old age makeup, like that. The bad old age makeup you get when it's like Netflix movies these days, where it's just like <laughs> somebody's wearing a Halloween mask kind of thing. Um, um, yeah, now I'm gonna I gotta run through the uh, Sopranos cast um, and see. So like Edie Falco yeah, goes on and does a few good, solid TV series, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't watch the Nurse Jackie, but I know people really love it. Uh, yeah, who else? Yeah. Even like uh, Jamie Jamie Lynn Sigler, uh, nothing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Dominic Cianesi, um, who's Uncle Junior. Um, yeah, no. Well, he was on on the older side. Let's see. Uh, but I think I mean he's still alive, isn't he? I feel like oh, I probably. I'm just saying, but like, how many opportunities are you going to get? Like, right. it's not going to parlay that into a new booming career kind of thing. Yeah 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 wow he's like 82 and and now um god what's her face um can't remember anyone's name <laughs> oh yeah drea de mateo like now i mean part of that is apparently that she's like a huge anti-vaxxer but now has to do like only fans to make ends meet uh oh, she does oh that's sad yeah um i mean it's not i shouldn't say like i don't want to be shaming like it's obviously uh, not her first choice of career. Yes, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, there are plenty of people who have careers on OnlyFans that yeah, uh, and that's fine. I think are very happy. I don't think that's yeah, that's what. She, but uh, yeah, I know she was on Sons of Anarchy at some point. I didn't watch that. Uh, and then yeah, she was uh, very vocal on Twitter when Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox News. <laughs> yeah, which you know may have contributed more to her career woes than anything else so you're um, saying there is a hollywood blacklist against conservatives hollywood is <laughs> discriminating against conser- conservatives depends on what definition of conservative you use yeah um, um i think the okay. other show that's really had trouble spinning out stars even though they really made it a try for it is the wire like there's that splash for like the late aughts where like everyone from the wire was in starring roles in movies and how many like that didn't last I think Idris Elba is the only one who's kind of stayed with it. Yeah, Idris Elba has. I mean, Michael K. Williams would have. Uh, may he rest in peace. But he would like. Uh, I think. Michael I don't K. know Williams that he would have him. though. Like, I feel like he was just getting. I never really like. I didn't watch enough of the Wire. I watched the first season. I, I could tell that he was a strong presence, but he never really got me going in movies that much. No. Um. Well, I yeah, I like him. There's a. There's a movie that is, um, that sort of barely came out this this year i think i don't think it ever played in theaters called surrounded which is a um what's speaking of anti-vaxxers what's the woman from the black panther movies who's an anti-vaxxer uh, I, I just looked up this movie surrounded leticia wright leticia wright she's great jamie bell and then like uh yeah michael k williams has uh i might yeah i might uh might be talking about him again uh come bruce mcgill award time but okay. uh but I might be the only one who saw this movie. <laughs> uh, but it's a good, uh, it's a really, it's a really good, uh, it's actually a really good movie, and it's a, it's a good one scene he has. 
Yeah, I just feel uh, like every role that every movie really had came across with the same way that people talked about on on the wire, where people would like talk about the wire like Omar guys, what a guy, and then like. When he's in a movie, like I can feel the offset like or off screen somebody whispering, It's Omar, guys. <laughs> Look at him. Um yeah, it was it was weird uh, in knowing him as Omar, like seeing him play a cop in Gone Baby Gone was uh strange, especially sure. he's playing not one of the corrupt cops. Oh right. Um, you know, he's like uh Casey Affleck's like you know, guy on the inside who tells him stuff. Anyway, uh <laughs> Yeah, speaking of the why, yeah, Dominic West is a guy that like they tried. Yeah, and I um I as far as how I feel about Dominic West, I feel like he is a big ham. Oh, for sure. Uh, so he works and, well in like Punisher War Zone. Yeah, I didn't see that, but yeah. Um but in the right role, I I like it because I like uh again, going back to TV, the affair. He had a, a entire other I always wanted to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. I love the affair. Um, and we talked about the affair when we did the episode with Sean too, because it was, it's like, um, uh, I feel like you, you were talking about the difference between like a TV series and a mini series, but I feel like increasingly like even TV series are being approached by their creators and writers as like mini series. Like they want to make sure they're sticking the, the landing by the end or whatever. And the affair felt like a throwback and then it definitely did not have that problem. Oh, good. It would, just, it would just like make huge, like 90 degree turns in the middle of any season. And I just loved that. It was like always nice. taking big swings and being, uh, being strange. And, uh, I really love the affair. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the advantage of TV is that you can keep shifting it and keep like trying out new things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about a newer actor or okay. sorry, <laughs> newer to us as movie people, Jeremy Allen white. He was on Shameless yeah. for a decade. Now people love him as the bear, the titular bear from the show, The Bear. Um, I, have no, I haven't watched it. I have no idea. I, I think the restaurant is called The Bear. I can't remember. Um, I don't know what The Bear is. That's the joke. Um, but uh, yeah, now we, I mean, he had a supporting role in Fremont this year, which I, I liked a lot more than you did. But he's got the Iron Claw coming out with, um, I, I don't really know. It looks like an ensemble piece, but I don't know. Uh, I think who's he's the real lead. I, I think um, he's like a, at least a co-lead. I think it's kind of like the three of Zac them. Efron. Yeah, is he and Zach Efron and Harris Dickinson kind of share the spotlight to varying degrees? Yeah. So, um, I yeah, I wonder if uh, if he's going to be uh, able to make that transition. Um, yeah, I you, mean, do you doubt it? I, I I'm interested to find out. I like, in spite of how I might be coming across here, I always like hope spring is eternal for new actors. I'm always excited when there's somebody that people are excited about. I just you know, don't always see what they're excited about. Um, I, my problem with him right now is like every and Fremont, like by the nature of its style, Fremont's going to have this problem potentially, but he kind of has like one face mode where like every photo I see of him, he has the, the one face. Yeah. yeah, Matt yeah. Smith, I think, has the same problem to speak of another guy who whose appeal I do not understand. Um, but yeah, but that's I mean, uh, yeah, but I mean, you and I are in the uh, minority there because people clearly like Matt Smith or or at least people are like in the industry are trying to force us to like Matt Smith because this is the thing that they keep casting him. But yeah, I, I again, I know him from TV. I he was on. um uh, a British show called Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Um, 
And uh, then obviously he was the titular Doctor Who, the character named Doctor Who from the show Doctor Who. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, but I've, I'm not a big fan of him in, in movies. A um, uh, couple other things. This is just side note. That show, Secret Diary of a Call Girl, the call girl in question was played by Billy Piper, who also has a Doctor Who connection and is also apparently, I guess, a TV actress. Although she okay. was um, she was the mom in Catherine Called Birdie last year. So oh, okay. she's, she's she's great. So she and the other people who created Secret Diary of a Call Girl have a more recent show that is uh, they've done two series and they're both on Mac, HBO Max. Uh, it's called I Hate Susie and it comes highly recommended from from me. Um, yeah. So uh, do check out I, I Hate Susie. But anyway, back, back. Okay, I have multiple things I want to backtrack to. Okay. Um, I already feel like that. And again, I liked Fremont. I like Jeremy Allen White in Fremont. I get why he is um, a... I don't know if sex symbol is the right word, but he does seem, yeah, maybe it is. He does seem, yeah, he radiates. He comes across as, as, as sexy. Um, but, uh, I can already see the industry trying to make him happen because have you seen, I think the Dosecki's commercials, they're yes. so awkward. Yes. Where it's like famous people having lunch together, but, or dinner or whatever, but clearly none of them were in the same room at the same <laughs> yeah. time, you know? So it's like, who is Matt Damon and Ludacris and is it who's sitting across from Matt Damon in that thing? I, I don't have a good enough memory to say, but, but. Uh, it's, they're such awkward commercials, but there's one of them where uh, Jeremy Allen white FaceTimes in with all of these big stars, like because uh, Ludacris like forgot to invite him to the dinner or whatever. <laughs> and like, and then like, Matt Damon laughs, but it's clearly just like Matt Damon in a one shot, just yeah. like not knowing. Hey, Matt, laugh at something. Like, <laughs> they're the most awkward commercials I've ever seen, um, which is saying something. But uh, yeah, it does feel like uh, oh, Jeremy Allen White is like a part of this club now of uh, the big big stars, uh, or at least but that's what being be. told by the yeah. Dust. Well, maybe I, I I have nothing like like I said. I really liked him in Fremont. That's Kind of, I mean, I remember him in The Rental, which is not a very good movie, so I don't really want to hold that against him. Um, that was when the oh, Dave yeah, Franco directed that. the horror movie. Uh, am, I, am I remembering? Yeah, that's the yeah. Dave Franco one that he directed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's like you were saying, I can't remember what movie you were talking about. Uh, nobody being good in, oh, Lovely Bones, I guess. Yeah. The Rental is like, it's not, I, I can't use it as an example because I don't think it's a good movie. Uh, but other than that, I don't think I'd seen him in anything before before Fremont. Uh, Apparently he was in, I never saw this, but I wanted to at the time, uh, Antonio Campos' first movie, After School. Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah, I never saw that either. I yeah. also wanted to see that at the time. Huh. Uh, um, as Jeremy White. He didn't add the Allen yet. Yeah. Uh, probably should have stuck with that. How many three-named actors have uh, lasting careers? I've never thought about this. <laughs> I'm sure plenty Nor of them. Nor have I, but I, I can't think of any offhand. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Michael J. Fox initials don't count, right? Initials, initials are a different no. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, you got like Lee J. Cobb. Maybe it's just a J. He's got to have a J. There um, you go. Yeah, who else is a three named actor who? Uh, yeah, because I keep thinking about like 
the examples I keep thinking of are proving your point, like Sarah Michelle Gellar and Rachel Lee Cook and people who like aren't in stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, that was a that was clearly a thing in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, like there's Starlet having three names. Yeah, um, is Starlet uh, an offensive term? Probably, because you wouldn't say yeah. there's no equivalent term for men. Yeah. Okay, I should say young, young female actors. You uh, should say hot names. babes. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Do you? Uh, what? What else? What else do we have on this? Um, I, I mean, I guess the only like notable thing is like to at least consider the flip sides where, um, movie actors who then shift into TV, you know, your Glenn Close aside, I, I feel like those series generally do not kind of flourish, um, due to them in a large part, but I'm, tr- yeah, I'm well, also having a, trouble thinking of strong examples. Well, there is a, there, there's a saying, um, that, um, TV shows make stars. Stars don't make TV shows. Sure, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I can think of one example of something I had that, that is so forgotten that I don't even remember the name of it. But there was <laughs> okay. there was a network like sci-fi drama that Holly Berry was in. Um, oh, wow. And uh, like within the last 10 years, probably. Yeah, um, it'd have to be. Uh, and yeah, that's a perfect example of like, how could this fail? It's Holly Berry, but uh, yeah, she's a she's a movie star, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm just looking up the name of this this show, Extant, E X T A N T, um, which uh did get two seasons, so 2014 and 2015. Good for them on CBS. Uh, yeah, there have to be other examples of like movie stars who have tried to carry a show. Uh, well, God, I was going to say, uh, and she's not necessarily carrying the show, but that elementary show that's like a Sherlock show, still on the air. Seven seasons that's been running. Wait, elementary? Yeah. Who's in that? Uh, it's Johnny Lee Miller, Sherlock Holmes, and Lucy Liu as Watson. Okay. No, so this is getting... it ended in 2019. Oh, okay. The, um, yeah. seven seasons okay the wikipedia does not use the past tense so i assumed it was still running oh okay uh well i'm on i am imdb and and uh fair enough yeah, it looks like ended in well still seven seasons of that is much more than i thought it would have gone for it ended in the summer of 2019 which is i don't know if that means anything anymore it used to be that it's like if a network show was airing the summer it's just because they were trying to burn off episodes but now people watch tv shows all the time Sure. Yeah. The summer is not a bad time for TV anymore. Uh, yeah. Let's. Okay. I'm gonna Google like uh, movie stars who made TV shows. It's yeah. I'm on a kind of listicle about that. Um, I mean, they use Nicole Kidman as an example because of Big Little Lies, but I feel like that's not. It's not a regular enough commitment for that to be a thing. It's like they do one of those series every few years. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, they use Michael J. Fox oh. as an example, which isn't the worst. Spin City was pretty successful. I mean, his life but circumstances he was, were. He was a TV. Yeah. Michael J. Fox is a TV star. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know that there's 
three Back to the Future movies and everyone loves them. But Michael J. Fox is a TV star. Family Ties is how he made his name. And outside of Back to the Future, uh, there aren't a lot of movies. I mean, I like The Frighteners. I don't know if you like The Frighteners. I've never seen it. But um, there aren't a lot of movies that, like, that he's in that people can point to. It's really just, he's more of a TV actor. Um, yeah, with family ties first then uh spin city he also uh was great in a recurring role on the good wife um okay as uh, uh the good wife also great show i never finished it i should probably go back and finish it at some point but uh really great show and um he played a lawyer who was often a rival of juliana margulies the titular good wife um uh who would so the character had Parkinson's like Michael J. Fox has mm-hmm. Parkinson's and uh but the character Michael J. Fox played would really like use it to get okay. people's like sympathy and, and to uh yeah, so uh it was, it was great. Um let's see. Uh Julia Roberts yeah, I think I might be on the same listicle as you because Julia yeah. Roberts is on was on Homecoming. Um um, here's a really good recent example. Jim Carrey, that TV show Kidding went oh, nowhere. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, this list includes Christian Slater, which I think was like um that was true for a long time of like a guy who had been a movie star, and then if you look at the number of TV shows Christian Slater was in that didn't get a second season or got canceled. Oh yeah. Season. It's insane. But then I guess he kind of hit with Mr. Robot, but again, that's a supporting role, but it's a pretty big one. And, and like I said, it was after several churns of this cycle of like, yeah. Christian Slater is the star. People will watch. What was that show? Yeah. Wasn't he on some show with Dana Delaney? Oh, I can't remember the name of that show. I, I don't know. There were so many. I know there was one yeah. where he was like, uh, he was like a thief of some sort. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, the that Robin Williams show, the crazy ones. Oh, with Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. yeah, nobody watched it. Nobody cared. Uh, no, and that also had uh, Bob from Mad Men. Uh, I'm drawing, I'm drawing like. Oh yeah, I like, like that guy. Name. I, I like him too. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. I haven't watched it, but um, Apple TV Plus's The Morning Show is like full of, like, uh, well, I guess not. I guess yeah. Jennifer Anderson's a TV star. Steve Carell's a TV star, but it's also Reese Witherspoon and Billy Crudup. I feel like Billy Crudup never really became a star of anything. Like he's like kind of famous, but I I feel like he's not really a star. He's just like a pretty versatile, very good looking actor. Oh, right. Al Pacino was on a prime show. It was a prime show called Hunters with Josh Radner. And like, there's like other people in that show. It's a, I'm sure. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I never, I never watched that, and it's definitely not one you ever hear people talk about. No. Um, but then again, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, people love Grace and Frankie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Though that's like, that's almost kind of like a post-stardom role, right? We're like, what's the last big movie Jane Fonda was in? You. But, huge movie. Um, yeah. But everybody likes her, so she makes sense as a TV star pivot at her age. Would the, then um, would you? Because look, I'm continuing to look at this list. Yeah. 
what uh what of Winona Ryder who used to be a movie star but I feel like in recent years has been like she's on Stranger Things and well, I guess this is miniseries but she was on the uh miniseries Show Me a Hero with Oscar Isaac That's right. That was a good show. Uh it was and I love uh I feel like uh it, sometimes rightfully so like Jim Belushi Jeff that Jeff, generally gets kind of like he's like a punching bag like the yeah. less talented brother but jim belushi is great in show me a hero yeah um, i think um, by this mostly point, I think because he's not trying to be funny maybe sure yeah that always helps um i think by this point we should all just give jim belushi more respect i feel like he did his time in in the shadow but like yeah. he's done enough great things since then that like now he should be he should be our main belushi um okay now we've got like Harrison Ford did Shrinking, uh, which Natalie said was good. Kevin Costner did Yellowstone, or is still doing Yellowstone, which is like yeah. the biggest TV show in the country. Which is crazy. Um, um, but he's apparently just jetting from that show to parlay it into his insane movie that he's making. Isn't it like a two or three part? It's like a two part movie that yeah. they're coming out and they're coming out like closer together than you would expect. It's like okay. two months apart or something like that. It's like not enough time for anyone to like have a good association, want to go back to the theater. So I yeah. feel like that second, second one's going to tank, but I'm, uh, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued too. There's also uh, I got a like PR email. You just reminded me of this about a like high budget French uh, production of the three Musketeers. That is also like, yeah, I saw two, that like big movies. I was kind of curious. Like the first one is called the three Musketeers, D'Artagnan. And then I can't remember what the second one is called, but uh, I'm definitely curious about that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, last one on this list, and I still don't know if it's the same one you're looking at, but uh, Sylvester Stallone um, is on Tulsa King, which I got a second season. Hasn't, uh, I think this might be the first I'm hearing of the show because you know, because it's on, well, it's not even on epics anymore. Cause epics doesn't exist anymore. Now it's MGM plus, but oh, um, God. yeah, the shows that are on epics don't seem to, uh, don't, don't seem to make much of an impact. Uh, this is saying a, it's on paramount plus. Oh, then I was wrong. All right. I'm looking at, yeah, it is paramount plus. Okay. It's not epics. Uh, but I guess I was just thinking of epics because um, there was the Get Shorty show uh, that right. um, Chris O'Dowd and Ray Romano yeah. were in. Um, and then there was a show that I actually read really good reviews of called Perpetual Grace with Ben Kingsley. Hmm. Um, but that's from... Uh, there are very few... As as Sean and I talked about, there were fewer interesting voices in television, like actual like, yeah, showrunners and producers that you would consider auteurs anymore. Um, and I haven't watched Perpetual Grace. I I intend to, uh, even though it means I probably have to sign up for MGM Plus. But um, the guy who created that is a true weirdo. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, and his name. Uh, damn it. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. Um, I was just looking at the Wikipedia for this Tulsa King show and man, the TV industry was fortunate that Breaking Bad was so successful so they can do like every small town in the country has some gigantic crime organization <laughs> and just like shoot it for nothing. Cast local, hire local, bring in a one star, call it good. 
Um, sorry, I'm still trying to find this guy's name. Stephen Conrad is his name. Okay. So uh, he created a another show uh, that I loved and um, Natalie absolutely did not called uh, Ultra City Smiths. It was a stop motion, stop motion animation yeah. uh, show that only lasted like 10 uh, seasons. And um, it's like, it's so odd in its tone because it's kind of like a parody of like a uh, troubled like cop mystery drama mm-hmm. but it also is very sincere in its sort of like noirish depiction of like lonely people in a city but it's also incredibly absurd it has like a fantastic voice cast um but before that he did a show that i have not seen called patriot uh that was on amazon prime that uh got really good reviews so uh stephen Con- conrad seems like a the rare guy who's still out there making like weird sort of uh, idiosyncratic television. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Somebody's gotta be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we talked around this topic for quite a while. Yeah, no, this was good. Uh, you you brought the TV knowledge I was hoping you would bring. Um, and I got to get, take my shots at TV actors. No, I mean, my, (laughs) my hope is that I was illustrating that, they're kind of two separate disciplines. And as we said, like sometimes movie actors can't transition well and like launch a series and sometimes vice versa, because the demands are so different and it, uh, it's not necessarily incumbent on an actor to be able to do both, but it is interesting when occasionally they can. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I want to keep coming up with examples because I thought of, uh, another sort of asterisk, like you were talking about like post fame or yeah. supporting roles like Jennifer Goodwin is very much to me a TV actress from Big Love for sure. once upon a time but she's also the voice of the lead in Zootopia so behind a microphone she can carry a movie I don't remember if you like Zootopia I like Zootopia I did not like Zootopia um weirdly like the main thing I associate with her because I haven't seen her shows and I try to forget Zootopia is she was in that wrong, that kind of omnibus rom-com. He's just not that into you, which is not a good movie, but she was okay. very charming in it. And so in the back of my head, I was like, Oh, good actress. Jennifer Goodman. She is very, yeah. I mean, big love. I don't know if you watched that. I loved big love. Didn't watch um, it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, she is very charming. Yeah. Um, and when Natalie and I went to see, it would have been Harry Potter and the half blood prince, I think. Yeah, uh, we went to see it at midnight at the Chinese pre-renovation, um, and uh, Jennifer Goodwin was like in the same row as us, just yeah. down a, a few seats. It was a great. Well, that's fun. Um, that's when she was dating. I'm not sure if they're still together, but um, oh fuck, <laughs> this is going to be really interesting. Um, I'm looking ooh. at her, uh, Joey Kern, Josh Dallas. Um. Joey Kern. Yeah, I think she was dating Joey Kern at the time. Okay. I don't know if she if she still No, is. they were in, engaged but broke it off. Oh, okay. Well, he was there too. Um I don't even know who this is. Joey Kern. Oh, he's in um Cabin Fever, the Eli Roth movie Cabin yeah. Fever. Um that's the main thing I think I remember him from. It is one of very few film credits he has, so uh yeah oh this is oh yeah he's also at the beginning of super troopers he's in the car full of like dumb stoners that get pulled over in the opening scene i forgot about that until just now 
Yeah, Super Troopers. I got to watch that again. It's a good movie. It it's is very a good funny. Movie. Yeah. Uh, I still think what, very regularly about the part where they open up like, the back of the truck or van or whatever. He said, stinks like sex in here. <laughs> <laughs> I just went, uh, this came up actually on the one where I met your mother. Like, I wonder how many people are like huge succession fans who have never seen Brian Cox in Super Troopers. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, uh, if I, cause it's, I haven't watched succession, but it might be like a similar role that he's like, the head of a yeah. group of loons. <laughs> yeah. Probably I hear the word shenanigans one more time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've gone on too long. Uh, this has been fun. Let's, yeah. uh, yeah, you can find, um, us at battleship pretension.com. Uh, Scott's been posting a lot of movie reviews. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I thought of another actor I was going to talk about Great, because I have not seen all of us strangers, but you have. Yes. And Andrew Scott is someone that I associate with TV because of Fleabag and Sherlock. Uh, but I know he's also been in movies before. He was he was the dad in Captain Called Birdie. Um, to yes. Piper's, Piper's mom. I know he's been in other movies and I and I and I like him. But do you think uh, does he does he have the goods? Um, I mean, he's great in all the strangers. Um, okay. And yeah, it looks like I mean, he was in 1917, apparently, as you know, just like every other British person. Yeah. Um, yeah. No real other film credits. Well, I didn't see Spectre, that the, the James Bond movie, but apparently he made kind of a big splash in that. Oh, um, but I couldn't speak to that. But I think people, I mean, it feels like people, the kind of people that I know in my yeah, life for sure. associated him with Fleabag. He's the hot priest. 100%, yeah. But um, also he was Moriarty on on Sherlock, which is, yeah. which is cool. Uh, all right, so um, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email uh, me at David at battleshipretention.com. Email Tyler at Tyler at battleshipretention.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Blue Sky at Davey Pretension. You can follow me. You can find me on Letterboxd at David Bax. And check out my little podcast, The One Where I Met Your Mother. Scott, what do you have to plug? Uh, yeah, um, a lot of reviews, like David said, at Battleship Pretension. I was just going to pull up my list of things I need to review shortly, which will probably be up by the time this posts um definitely i'll have a review for fallen leaves soon ish zone of interest soonish taste of things um probably some other stuff oh yeah i got a criterion disc of last picture show that i got to finish and write about nice. this week um so yeah a lot of stuff coming up on this the old site and then uh, um uh twitter and blue sky rail tomorrow letterbox just my name and pretty sure that's it all right. Well, uh, thank you for listening at home. And we'll get you next time. Bye.